Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, July 31st, and today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the chapter We Agnostics, on the page 54, that starts with the first full paragraph, We Found Too That We Had Been Worshippers. Today's readers are Rose, Margaret, Michelle, Kim, Fran, and Sally. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, July 30th, is 4871. That is 4871. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Rose to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning. This is Rose, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Rose. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 traditions, please. 
Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret Kay, recovered in South Jersey. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify ourselves as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on the chapter to the agnostics on page 54 with the paragraph that starts, We Found Two. I will ask Michelle to begin reading. Go ahead, Michelle. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle H. in Missouri, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. We found, too, that we had been worshipers. What a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring on. Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves, And then, with a better motive, had we not worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea, or a flower? Who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing we saw at last. Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? It was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. 
in any form or another. We had been living by faith. And I'm sorry, in one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. And um, so the very first sentence starts out that we found, too, that we had been worshipers. And so I, I looked up the word worshiper, and it means, to, you know, having a reverent love or honor. And um, so hadn't we had a reverent love or honor for people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves? And then um, Bill even, you know, says that we worshipfully beheld. Then he changes it to who of us had not loved something or somebody. So changing of the word worshiper, you know, which means reverent love or honor, then saying love. And, um, and he says, he ends at the end, it was impossible to say that we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. And, and these were things that I was doubting. You know, and looking back a couple of pages, you know, um, this discussion started after, seemed to start after the, the paragraph that said, when we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And um, from Bill's experience, he's sharing that when this God idea was brought up to him, his mind snapped shut. And so, as has been stated um, by others in, in the discussion of we agnostics, that this is, you know, the, the opening of our minds is what's required. And, and Bill is opening up our minds and maybe even showing how his mind might have been opened because it was certainly snapped shut to the God idea. And he said we had to stop doubting the power of God. And, you know, the opposite of faith is doubt. And, you know given us examples of where reason or my mind had snapped shut in others, it could have snapped shut in other ways of thinking like others have about, you know, um, flying, you know, an airplane getting off the air, um, getting off the ground and getting into the air, um, you know, that doesn't make sense. It's something that huge, that big, that's certainly not lighter than air that would take off and be in the air. And, you know, reason didn't work. And, and these doubts, um, soon were proved to, to not be uh, correct and that were proven that it is possible. And here I am seeing, just like I see that airplane take off, I'm seeing people in the program recover, and they're saying it is because of their reliance upon the spirit of the universe, upon this power. And then, and then in this paragraph it's being pointed out, hadn't I really been relying on faith? Hadn't I really been a worshiper? in um, a large part of my life and that, you know, I had been living by faith and little else. And um, I'm just going to pass here. Thank you so much. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Michelle. Would anyone else like to share on what was read, please? Laura? Go ahead, Laura. Hi, good morning. It's Laura from South Jersey. I just wanted to jump in to remind myself what this paragraph really uh, <clears throat> really meant to me. And, you know, I found, too, that, yeah, I had been a worshiper, but I had just misdirected my faith for so many years. Um, for so many years, I used to worship the food, the weight loss, money, diets, you know, people. Now, thank you, God, I can worship my higher power. I can worship God every day. I did have faith all along, but it just wasn't in the right thing. You know, I really first, through the steps, through these chapters, I had to come 
then I had to take action, and through that action, that's where the faith came. It just didn't pop into my head and say, okay, I have faith now. The action is what brought the faith, and, and seeing other people recover, be recovered around me um, proved to me that my misdirected faith could be redirected into something greater than myself, and that my way wasn't working. And as I always hear, a sick mind can't heal a sick mind, and for so long, that's what I had been trying. So that's just what, what this was reminding me today, and um, I, thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Laura. Would anyone else care to share on what was read, please? This is Abby. Go ahead, Abby. Thank you. Um, thank you, everybody. This is Abby. I'm a compulsive overeater in Maryland. And this paragraph had a really has had a really big impact on me because I think when I was first in program, I thought of taking step three as going from being independent to being dependent. And what this really brought home for me, that sentence, had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves, what that really brought home to me was that I had never been independent. I had been dependent on something that was destroying me. And so it wasn't about going from independence to dependence. It was about um, going from depending on something destructive to going to depending on something that was going to help me and and support me and make my life better. Um, The thing I heard today that I hadn't thought about before was that definition of worship as being reverence or love. And I think the word worship can be kind of an uncomfortable word, and I think it's kind of an uncomfortable word for me. And thinking of it as reverence and love um, makes something shift in me, I think. Um, I heard someone at a meeting not long ago who had really struggled with the concept of a higher power say that his higher power was the love and acceptance of the group, of the program. And the idea of worship being love and a higher power being love makes a lot of sense to me. That's something that um, is hitting home, is making me understand my higher power um, in a different way. So I'm really grateful for this meeting, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. Would anyone else like to share what was read? Rose. Leah. Go ahead, Rose, and then Leah, and then Bella. No, Sally. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. This is Rose, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And um, the last sentence um, is what I want to speak to for myself. It was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. And in the sentences prior to this last sentence, they pointed out what those things were. And for me, this is, is, you know, I prided myself as quite an intellectual person. Um, Obviously, the only thing I actually thought about was overeating, and that's what I did as a practice. But... What strikes me here is is bringing out so clearly. Um, I believed 
that I didn't have any faith. I believed I didn't, I definitely didn't have any love. And get away from me with worship. I mean, uh, I didn't even think in those terms, except as it was said above, I had worship people, sentiment, things, money, and myself, myself. I was definitely the God of my universe. But the paragraph closes with this, in one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. And just drawing that meaning so um, plainly for a person as blocked off and closed off from God, closed off from any faith or love or worship, bringing it out in this way where it could just slip into my mind that I wasn't... um, um, that I that I was capable of having a faith, and not only was I capable of having a faith, I had faith, and so I just find that so very powerful. And the way this book speaks to a heart like mine that was dead, and helped pry it open uh, word by word by giving me the the hope that, my Lord, this is really true. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rose. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Amy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves, um, well, that had been, you know, my basic flaw. My basic flaw had been this, faulty dependence, this faulty uh, worshiping and reverence to uh, people and to circumstances in my life to supply me with feelings of security and feelings of well-being and feelings of stability and happiness and, and so on. And of course, when I would fail to get stabilized or secure uh, by worshiping people, sentiment, things, money, um, you know, when that wouldn't work according to my wishes and my specifications, that would lead me to fight everything and everybody, and that would truly end up being self-will run riot. So what the big book is suggesting here is, you know, Leah, you you have been worshiping all your life. You know, what about uh, those relationships you worshipped? What about uh, the food that you chased? What about the porcelain bowl that you uh, bowed over? Uh, um, in order to purge uh, the uh, the substances. I mean, there was worship going on. It had just been a faulty reliance, a faulty dependency, a faulty trust. Um, you know, so, you know, this chapter kind of forces me to reconsider or die. <laughs> That's essentially what it is, is how about transferring, Leah, that that worship and the reverence to something that um, is uh, indestructible and immeasurable uh, and and truly reliable. It goes on to say, how much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Um, Certainly, you know, um, putting all my trust, reliance, and dependency on substances within cellophane bags and bakery boxes makes no sense. It makes no sense. 
and certainly chasing after uh, people um, in order to give me that stability uh, makes those sense because people are fallible. You know, people, uh, you know, are only human. Um, so the big book is arguing here that reason is, we, is, is not um, always useful in this case. There's a re, there is a reality higher than the intellect. So the big book is encouraging me here and encouraged me to stop worshiping your thinking. Stop worshiping your mind and your ego. There is a higher reality than the ego. Dethrone the intellect. Also, feelings. Feelings are not reliable. Feelings are wonderful. It's what makes us human. But feelings are a trap. They trapped us in addiction. We chased feeling good. We chased feeling satisfied. We chased feeling comfortable. And that might have worked short term, but it certainly did not work long term. So it says, did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence yet? Led me into uh, almost death and insanity. So what the big book is, is arguing here is whatever I direct my life towards, that's what's going to run my life. Because my life is based on the ideas I produce in my mind. But what if my life was based on the belief that God exists? What if my life was based on the belief that God exists? And what if my trust, reliance, and dependency was on God? A relationship that's immeasurable and indestructible. What about that? So my problem here is, is not one of proving there's a God, but to act as if it was true. And I can do that through action, through action. I never had a faith in God. I could not define God. I had no formal relationship with God. I never had faith that God would do for me what I could never do for myself. The best I could possibly do at this point is believe or be willing to believe that God could do so. Then, after certain things transpired in my journey, and I received God's power in my life, then I knew. Then I knew, because I had experienced it. Because I had experienced it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. I believe it was uh, Bella or Rochelle. Press star one to unmute. Bella? Okay. Well, would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Sally from South Jersey. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you, Amy. Sally from South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. So within this paragraph, we see the word worshippers, um, five times, worshippers in the first sentence, variously worshipped people. Going on down, it said, had we not worshipped fully? Then it says, how much did these feelings, these loves, these worships? And uh, I think it says it one more time, it was impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. And so I wanted to just mention, I, I mentioned it yesterday, and I actually did a little more research on this. On page 81... I mentioned that Dr. Bob comments at the bottom of the page, if you think you are an atheist, an agnostic, a skeptic, or have any other form of intellectual pride, 
that's that's all I wanted to say about that that particular page or any other form of intellectual pride. So Dr. Bob is saying that atheism agnostics and being a skeptic is a form of intellectual pride. And I noticed that Bill W. on page 12 in Bill W.'s story, which is basically my story as well, he says on the bottom of page 12, thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last I saw, I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. And so what I find here as we look at this whole concept of what we've been worshiping, and me for myself, I have been dependent on everybody and everything except God for, for, the, for my last 50 years of my life. I realize, was it always about my pride? Was it all about my ego and me uh, with the acronym of easing God out? Was it always me easing God out? Did I worship people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves, myself? Because that was what was tangible. That was the easy thing to worship. And God was intangible. And, and certainly it took a leveling of my pride for me to actually take my eyes off of what I thought I could depend on and just actually look up. And that's what it leads me to, to do, to, to look up to the intangible. That's a very uncomfortable thing for me. It's, uh, it's even scary for me to, to look to the intangible as opposed to what is concrete. Um, my kids even, you know, I've even, I've, you know, been driven by a hundred forms of fear, as page 62 says. And um, believe me when I tell you that I had anxiety attacks um, up until this past year. I had anxiety attacks. Every night I'd wake up in an anxiety attack over everything, including who's going to take care of me when I'm old. Did I ever turn to God? And I thought that I had such a great relationship with God, and yet my dependence, as page 98 talks about, job or no job, wife or no wife, sponsor or no sponsor, my dependence was on everything but God. I worshipped everything but God. And so I'm forced to think, okay, perhaps my pride has a lot more to do with this than I realized. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move on? Hi, this is Donna from Long Island. Go ahead, Donna. Hi. um, I'm grateful that I'm abstinent today, and I love all the shares, and thank you for service. Um, What came to mind is that I worshipped the unhealthy food, um, and I didn't realize that, that I was so dependent on the food. Um, and then realizing that uh, the third step um, and about God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. Boy, did I get the, you know, get that. I'm like, wow. I never got that in any other program that I'm in until this. And I have to tell you, it was so, so good that, wow, to be in touch with that and see it so clearly that God is doing for me what I can't do myself, you know, because I definitely can't do this myself. I need all the help I can get from God and people. 
So I just wanted to um, uh, share that because I do understand that. Um, and um, just thank you, everybody, today. Um, I appreciate everything that was said. Pass. Thank you, Don. Okay, Kim. Good morning. I would like to share. Uh, we're going to move ahead. Uh, Kim, could you please read the next paragraph, and then we'll take shares on that. Thanks, Amy. Uh, hello. Imagine life without faith. For nothing left but pure reason, it wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that we can prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points. Yet there it is. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling on to a destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves seem more intelligent than that. At least, so the chemist said. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason as most of us use it, entirely dependable, though it emanates from our best minds. What about people who prove that man could never fly? Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. So we're doing a lot of unlearning here. We're doing a lot of unlearning. Those things that we thought would keep us safe. You know, we talked earlier about that reason was capitalized. Well, in this set paragraph, it says we saw that reason isn't everything, and now it's lowercase. So our thinking is, is being asked to shift. We're being asked to unlearn what we thought was true. And I love that word. Neither is the reason as most of us use it entirely dependable. And everyone's been sharing about what have we depended on? Are we going to be able to acknowledge that those things we depended on are not dependable? And I looked up what does dependable mean? It means trustworthy and reliable. So were those worshiping things, was money, was, was uh, you know, getting the right guy, getting the right job, getting enough money, was that totally trustworthy and reliable? No. Why? Because that was human aid. That way were human beings or human substances that were going to let us down. So we thought self-will, self-dependency, self-reliance was going to be what we could depend on, and it failed us utterly. So we're being asked to acknowledge that and to look for a power greater than ourselves. You know, I'm reminded of two different quotes. I remember in Bill's story on page two where it says, I proved to the world that I was important. Because that's what I depended on. I'm going to prove to the world that I'm important. I'm going to prove to the world that I'm lovable and that I'm going to feel safe. And when those things started to crumble, the only way I could eat, get easy and comfort was in the food. And I think on page 61, which is one of my favorite lines, is, is he not or am I not a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I manage well? So my best thinking got me crawling into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, and you're letting me know that I need this higher power, and I'm fighting the thought that no, 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 my other best thinking will get me out of this. My other best thinking would. And they're asking us to begin to question that, begin to unlearn, begin to unravel these thinking. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. And reason is lowercase because we're starting to understand 
that those things we worshipped are not dependable, they're not trustworthy, and they're not reliable. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read, please? Lonnie? Go ahead, Lonnie. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Lonnie, um, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Um, These shares on this paragraph, you know, and what I'm hearing and reading and some of what was read yesterday about crossing over from the bridge of reason to the shores of faith have really, really hit home for me because I've been caught up in in that reason, you know, in my mind, my diseased thinking. And it's my diseased thinking that gets me to pick up, you know, to, to I guess, act on that obsessive, uh, you know, that, that mental obsession and pick up that first compulsive bite. And I have my whole life relied on reason, you know, and thinking my way through things. And this program and this paragraph and this chapter is, is helping me realize that everything I depended on in life was that I wanted knowledge of everything. I wanted to know what worked, how it worked, and I wanted a guarantee. And I'm learning in this program and in this chapter and this paragraph that, um, that I have to cross over, that I have to believe, that I have to move forward without knowledge of a guarantee but to trust and believe in my higher power and God. And I do know that when I do that, that everything is far better than I could have ever imagined on my own. You know, so I'm so glad that this is hitting home for me and this over-reliance my whole life on reasoning and logic and, and this need, desperate need for knowledge of something and a guarantee that I'm ready to cross over, you know, and and, and rely on, on my faith in God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lonnie. Hi, my name's Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered from Maryland. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, means nothing, whirling on a destiny of nothingness? I love it when they bring questions in, when they ask us to think. I mean, in light of all that's been said, we're now, you know, 10, 15 pages into this chapter, wrapping things up. You know, they've given us results. We've talked. Oh, I got lost. Star one to unmute. Okay, am I back? Yes. Okay. Great, thank you. Don't know what happened there, but I'm back. So this idea of questioning, these paragraphs, we read and we're, you know, we're 10, we're 10 pages in, we're wrapping up on this chapter. We've talked about all the different ways that we truly had been worshiping things. You know, I came into this program as an agnostic. This disease is fraught with the three Ds, denial, delusion, defiance. I had deluded myself into thinking that I was an independent person, that I didn't need to depend on anything, that I had life under control, and it was a delusion because in reality I, I, I could not be independent. I worshipped other things. I had faith in other things. I was not independent at all. And as other had said, I put my faith 
and things that were not dependent, and I deluded myself into thinking that I was in control. Meanwhile, I became enslaved by my addiction to food, and I was going down and going down fast. And the question here is they're saying, could we still, in the light of everything that we've discussed, and in the days that we've gone over and over, we had to ask ourselves, are we going to humbly concede that there is another way to go here where a solution and people are recovered are offering, you know, to step onto the shore, to be even willing and open-minded enough to believe? It says here at the end of chapter 2 in the 12 and 12 of AA, true humility and an open mind can lead us to faith. And if I can humbly concede that I don't know it, I don't have it, and I need to depend on a power greater than myself, and that I do have the capacity for faith, I just didn't have capacity for the right things. I didn't, didn't have faith in the right things, but I do have that capacity. I do have the willingness and the open-mindedness to say, okay, I'm going to try your way. I'm going to act as if that power is out there. I know it's not me anymore. I tried to depend on me, and I deluded myself into thinking I could do this, but I can't. The food has won. The jig is up. I need to find a different way of thinking and acting upon life. And if you're telling me those who have recovered and those who have written this book that there is a way and there is a solution, then I humbly give up, and I'm willing to be open to try to believe. So, you know, again, can we still say, am I still going to allow denial, delusion, and defiance to run my life? Am I going to do that? And these are questions that they ask us to ask ourselves. We have to come to that decision. We have to make a leap or a step onto the shore that says, I humbly give it up. You know, my way of thinking, my sick mind for your way, for your method, for your way of thinking. And I'm going to believe and act as if there is a power out there. I may not understand it. I may not grasp it. But you're telling me all I need to do is believe and be willing to believe? Okay, I can go that far. Okay, I can take that step because I'm willing to say there's a different way out there and I'm going to believe what it is you all are telling me. I'm going to have faith in it because my life had faith but in the wrong thing. So now I'm going to believe in the faith that you all have and I'm going to take that step onto the shore. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? It's Irini. Go, Houdini. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Edini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So I needed humility to see that I was just human. I needed to be taught by this book to see things differently, just as long as I was open to view something in a different light. You know, faith takes courage to trust God and to allow him to show me what he can do for me, what I could never do for myself. So I needed to shift and see through a prism in a different angle. You know, a prism is full of this spectrum of beautiful colors, all these different colors. And all I needed to do is to just change the angle of the prism and then see things differently in another color. 
you know, I I believe in only what I know. I just had to be taught what the right things to believe in. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Adini. Would anyone else care to share on what was read, please? Hi, this is Steve. Go ahead, Steve. Hi, this is Steve, overeater in recovery, and I love this passage about the atoms in the steel girder. And this program is such, and it's promises, and living a life free of my uh, character defects and doing the steps has, has led me, the overeating was a symptom. And the promises and living the life following my higher power is beyond description. And the joy and the promises are becoming more and more real. And all I have to do is just stay on the program. And uh, when I'm having a tough time, the attraction of food, <clears throat> I, I think about the attraction of my higher power in living abstinence. And it's so much greater than the temporary uh, relief, which is, just gives me suffering of, with food. So I just am totally into this program because of what it's offering me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Steve. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us have used it, entirely dependable. And I love that trustworthy that was said earlier. Though it emanate, it comes from our best mind. So the bottom line here for Monica was, you know, Monica, what's your best thinking got you? Well, what it got me was um, obese and medical problems coming up. It got me depressed. It got me bedevilments, frustration, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. You know, this is what my best thinking got me. Hell. And it was going down the pits of hell faster and faster and faster. That's what my thinking got, my best reasoning. And so here they're saying, you know, we've, we know here, we have experienced this. There is a solution. It's called using a higher power. That's not us. You know, what's my best thinking got me? It didn't work. Am I willing? Am I willing to try an experiment here and try something different? Am I willing to think outside of my wee little box brain and try something different here? You know, there is a reality. And it's greater than my reasoning and it's greater than my mind. And am I willing to try this? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else would like to share on what was read, please? Okay, Hello? we'll go in. Uh, yes, who is it, please? Uh, Sharon? 
Go ahead, Sharon. Thank you so much. Uh, and I just want to thank everybody who's uh, shared on the line uh, this morning. And what really hit home with me is um, it almost is like the unlearning that I think someone else stated that is so true because I did have that um, worshiping, but I did also have it very misdirected and worshipped people, uh, worshipped money, um, you know, I even see now I worship myself because if I believe in my own self-reliance and my own self-sufficiency, then I'm worshiping myself. And what that brought to me was this very false sense of security. And as life shows us over and over again, it will crumble. It will fail us because we're uh, putting it in the wrong place. And to me, uh, what I've seen is that that <clears throat> creates in me not faith, but fear, and fear, the acronym I heard over and over in the rooms of another program was fear is false evidence appearing real, and it will let me down every time, and faith in something that is unseen, and yet we see it all over, you know, I mean, I don't bring the sun up, and neither does any other human being, I don't keep the sky up in the uh, sky, that beautiful color of blue, and neither, do, neither does any other human being. So I, too, had that misdirected, faulty dependence on the very things that would not be able to uh, have the power or the will to turn me away from the things, including the food, then, uh, because uh, I, I see the food as something that... I had to run to for ease and comfort because all of these things that I worshipped that were misdirected would let me down and I would let others down because that's, that's the way it is. So I'm just so grateful for this chapter and I'm so grateful for all of you that have shared. You just, I've taken all kinds of notes and I just thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Laura. Okay, would anyone else like to share before we move on to the next paragraph? Okay, Fran, could you go ahead and read the next two, please? Fran, press star one to unmute. Did we lose you, Fran? Okay, Sally, I'll tell you what. Sally, could you go ahead and read the next two paragraphs, please? Sure, Amy. Hi, Sally from South Jersey. Yet we have been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power 
in human lives are facts as old as man himself. And um, I love this paragraph, this one that I just read. First of all, it really brings me back again to Bill. I promise you I won't do this forever, but I do have to say, when I think that when it says actually we were fooling ourselves, when Eddie Thatcher on page 9 goes to Bill and he says, I've got religion, Bill's first reaction was, I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot. Now I suspected a little crack about religion. So that was his first reaction. But was he fooling himself? Because when we look at the story of Bill, and we go back to page one, and we just take a look at his story that he weaves through his chapter, his story about Winchester Cathedral. When we go back to page one, the second paragraph, he says, we landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral. Much moved. Those two words speak volumes, as we will see. Much moved, I wandered outside. And then when we go on to page 10, we see more about Winchester Cathedral. He says in the middle of the page, that wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. And then when we go on to page 12, the incredible culmination of his story regarding Winchester Cathedral, at the bottom of page 12, he says, the real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me for a brief moment. I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And there is the key within myself, and so it had been ever since, how blind I had been. And so when we look back here at page 55 where we are, actually we were fooling ourselves. How many of us, like Bill, we're fooling ourselves. Our first reaction to this concept, we agnostics, we atheists, we skeptics, as, as Dr. Bob puts it on page 181, how many of us were fooling ourselves? And we're just looking at the surface, the veneer of our thinking. What if we would look deeper and deeper and even deeper, as Bill does in his story about Winchester Cathedral? We would find that down deep, we wanted to believe in a higher power. We needed to believe in a higher power. And what stopped us was our pride, our self-reliance, our, our driven by a hundred forms of fear, as page 62 tells us. That's what I get out of this. Thanks so much for letting me share with that I passed. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone, again. I think every time I read this paragraph, I get teary-eyed because this was when the scales of pride and prejudice started to fall off of me. To understand that God was deep down, every man and woman, every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. You know, I always thought I had to earn God's love. I had to do more. I had to do this ritual. I had to, I had to prove myself in order to feel God's love. 
And here it's telling me, it's deep down in me. You know, I've heard it once said, if you want to hide something from an alcoholic, put it in the big book, because that's the last place the alcoholic's going to look. And if you want to find out about God, put it deep inside each person, because that's the last place they're going to look. They're going to look outside at all the different things of the world to try to do it. So what is blocking us from this fundamental idea of God? Is it, is it, is it obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things? And what's obscured means? It means it's concealed, it's clouded, you can't see it. And what is calamity? If you want to know what calamity is, what you can do is hook a microchip in your brain that's hooked up to a microphone and walk around all day, I mean a megaphone, and just have your thoughts be projected out to the world. That is what calamity sounds like. And by pomp, our arrogance, our self-reliance, our self-propulsion, all those things that we can do it, we can do it, and worship of other things like we're talking about, money and sex and relationships and jobs, those are the things that are blocking us from the fundamental idea of God, which is in each and every one of us. So what is this program doing? You know, we spent this program doing more and more, more phone calls, more meetings, more this, more that, more this, more that. And what this program is, is subtraction. It's subtraction, not addition. I need to peel away the calamity, peel away the pump, peel away the work. And how is that done? How is that done? Let's go through the action steps. The action steps of four and five subtract our, our, um, our resentment, our fear, our sex conduct. Six and seven, we get rid of our character defects. And eight and nine, we get rid of our, our remorse, our guilt, our shame. And by that subtraction, by getting rid of those pomp, that circumstances, we can begin to feel the fundamental idea of God. And this paragraph brings that into such clarity for me that I, every single time I get goosebumps and my eyes tear up. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. We have time for one, maybe two more shares. Who would like to share on what was read, please? Devora? Go ahead, Devora. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Devorah in New Jersey. I was a covered compulsive overeater. And wow, what to know that faith was in me all the time and that God was in me all the time and I was blocking him away with all my distractions, with all my blockages, with the food for sure, and to know that he was there. And all I had to do was just like give it up, give up all my, my, uh, stuff, <laughs> give up my will, surrender to his will. I mean, what a relief that is. Thank you, God. What a big leap that was for me, you know, just to put it down and to trust and have faith that God will help me to carry me in his arms and that I don't have to go back. I don't have to rely on my blockages. I don't have to worship people, places, and things, but to trust and rely on infinite God to take away all those things and my fears and my doubts and my insecurities. You know, how simple is that? And, you know, coming into program and hearing how other people do it, did it and just following the directions that I too can do this. 
a day at a time, it's working in me, you know? I put my food down, I don't eat no matter what, and trust and rely on God to get me through every situation. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kaya. Go ahead, Kaya, quick share. Real quick. This is Chaya, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic in, uh, from Dallas, Texas, but I'm in New Jersey for the summer. This is getting so exciting. Can you feel it? I feel us getting close to um, being able to make a decision. You know, it's like the conclusion. How much more has to be said? If, you know, I keep thinking as we, as we read and as people share, and I loved what Sally shared about making the connection between Bill's feeling about the cathedral um, early on and when he's approached by Ebby. Beautiful, beautiful connection. Um, but it's like, if I'm as badly mangled as a compulsive eater has to be before they're willing to submit, um, this evidence is, they're laying it on thick. And now they've kind of broken broken us down, and I was one of those. I truly came to believe in a power greater than, that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. So we're getting close. We're getting close to the conclusion that possibly, possibly, there is a power. Apologize for the trucks. I have to be outside when I call. Oh, it looks like we lost you. Okay. Okay, I'm unmuted now. But anyway, I was just going to say that possibly, possibly, there is a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. Possibly. Are you willing to believe? Are you willing to believe that a power possibly can restore you to sanity? Okay. I think we lost you again, but that's all right. We will wrap things up here. I would just like to conclude on this one sentence. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. You know, the saying in the rooms, and I'm Amy still compulsive over here, the saying often heard in the OA rooms is that when we describe the compulsive overeating and the disease of compulsive overeating, it's a hole in the soul that I tried to fill the hole in my soul with a knife and a fork. You know, that the hole in my soul, deep down, I had that capacity for faith. Deep down, I was constantly searching. I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be afraid. I wanted fellowship. I had the capacity, but I searched, as we've discussed. I searched the wrong ways, and I became enslaved to the food. But deep down, and it was obscured by that. But deep down, you know, there was that light. There was that that searching. There was that wanting of a power greater than myself, and I wanted to be relieved of this obsession, this merciless obsession of compulsive overeating. And it says here, miraculous demonstrations. You know, the the age of miracles is not beyond us, folks. There are people on these lines, and if you listen to the the testimonies of people's stories and their shares, miracles abound. All we have to do is be willing to believe, and we can be recovered. We can be. We are those of us on the line that's saying, here we are, and we are ready to show you the way. We are miracles. I know I'm a miracle, and I know that there's many out there recovered who will say the same thing. 
relieved by relieved from the obsession to eat through believing in a power greater than ourselves has brought miraculous miraculous results miraculous to not only stop eating and stay stopped eating but to not want to eat anymore because that hole in the soul has been filled and all it started with was a willingness to believe and then it exploded from there so deep down we've got it we just have to be willing to believe and with that i'd like to thank everyone who shared especially our readers uh, michelle kim fran sally rose margaret and um, everyone else who shared, I would please, Fran, if you're still there, if you would like to read A Vision for You, that would be great on page yes, one. Yes, I'm, I'm here. Four. I'm sorry. I don't I don't know what happened before, but I'm, I'm here. Please, our, well then please go ahead, Fran. That would be great. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to yourselves. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.